We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kevin, get back in the ring, yo. Come on, man. Come on, Kevin. Get in there. Get in there. There you go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Ring the bell. Let's go. Ring the bell. What the hell is that, Jericho? Oh, it's happening. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> One, two, three. It's happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> Goldberg is the universal champion. Goldberg is the universal champion. Oh, my God. They really did it. <laughs> This man, I get more butt than ashtrays. The fair one, I get mine the fast way. Ski mask way, and the ransom notes. Far from handsome, but damn, I get a More guns than roses, foes is shaking in their boots. A visible bully, like the gooch disappear. Vamoose, you whack to me. Take them rhymes back to the factory. I see the gimmicks, the whack lyrics, the shit is depressing, pathetic. Please forget it. We're here. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen 
those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store, none of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner promo code T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply. It's so fun to be back. Usually we drop on Wednesdays. It's Thursday if you guys are getting this fresh, fresh off the streets. Um, we were busy yesterday. What can we say? We're two busy guys. But there's a lot to dive into. First and foremost, we got to say R.I.P. Biggie. It, it still feels surreal that he's not here. Um, you guys heard it. In the intro, had to start it off with Big. Every year, this is like a holiday for hip-hop culture. You know, we mourn, but we come together and appreciate the man. Um, yo, Dre, what, you were in the music industry already back then, right? Hell no. Nah. I was not in the industry. I was a kid. Um, uh, 97? Yeah. yeah, you're not that old then, I guess. All right. Yeah, I mean, goddamn. You got everybody call me out old man Andreas. <laughs> like, I'm like in my 40s and shit. No. Um <laughs> No, when when Big passed, I was in high school. So, um, you know, I was a I was a big I was huge on on Biggie. Living in Vegas, it was crazy too because everybody was big on pop. And uh, but Big will always and forever be like the greatest storyteller in hip hop. And I could care less what anybody else has to say. Um, and I remember where I was the day he passed. Uh, the day he got shot, I was working at a grocery store, Smiths, and I was bagging groceries. And I took my break. And I used to always take my break and uh, get like a source magazine or something. And this is this is like this is 97. So I had a pager and my pager was going off. 911, 911. And I, I believe it was one of my boys, Mook, uh, who called me and he was literally choked up. And he was like, yo, Biggie's dead. And I was like, what? You know, this is, you know, Pocket just died not even six months prior. So to hear the Biggie pass, I thought it was a joke. And then, you know, also back then. There's no Twitter. There's no internet. Like the internet's not huge yet, so it's like to find out what really happened. Um, you know, you're trying to turn. Like I, I ran to my car. I tried to turn on the radio, and then eventually on the radio they had said that Biggie had passed, and I was just like, I just couldn't believe it. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was hard, man, because you know, Life After Death came out a week later, uh, the double CD, um, and that was crazy because you had like you're nobody or somebody kills you on there and. You know, it was almost Sky's prophetic. the limit. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Between him and Pac, it was almost prophetic. You know, the, the way both of them had passed, it's like they predict their own de- predicted their own demise. Um, hopefully, it's taught us a lesson, man. You know, as, as the years go by, you know, this rap game ain't worth it. You know, it ain't worth your <laughs> life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and it, what's what's more crazy is to think about how young they were when they passed. Because um, it's not like Biggie was like some old dude. Most of us now are older than Biggie. You know, when he passed, and and. Well, Biggie was 24 when he passed, I believe. <clears throat> Biggie was, uh, yeah, and when, you think about, when you think about that, when you really put that in perspective and you talk about the stories that Big was telling and people are talking about this new young generation of rap and they're like, oh, well, they're young. Well, a lot of these guys are the same age that Big was. Like when Big dropped Ready to Die, Big had just turned 21. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so <laughs> to, to put that in perspective and, you, and all these excuses for being young, and, you know, that's the reason why you rap about dumb shit. When you hear that Biggie was 21 when Ready to Die dropped, which means he was even younger when, like, Dolly My Baby and all those joints dropped. And Nas was, like, 18, 17 when he wrote Illmatic. 
y'all kids got to step y'all game up. And you can't, and people got to stop using that excuse that, you know, it, it, it's, you're young, so you're excused for being rapping about stupid shit. You know, Biggie, like one of my favorite, well, I'll ask you, Kel, what's your favorite Biggie song? Oh, um, damn, favorite? I'd probably say Machine Gun Funk is up there. Machine Gun Funk was hard. Um, damn, that favorite's tough because Notorious Thugs wasn't enough of Biggie, but the difference in flow is bananas. Oh man, nobody like I remember seeing that on the back of the CD cover. I was like, "Yo, Bone Thugs is on here." Yo, so I'm thinking, hype. Big, yeah, I'm like, Big's gonna rap slow and just murk it. And then he came out with the, the rapid fire flow. That was ridiculous. I, I guess it's unfair to always ask what's your favorite. Yeah, song. I guess Bone Machine Gun Funk would probably be my favorite. Um. I love all songs with him and Jay going back and forth, though. I, oh. I wish I was a fly in the wall in the studio. Yeah, Brooklyn's Ooh, Finest is crazy. Oh, my God. Brooklyn's Finest. Um, the joint on... Uh, oh, damn. Jay-Z had a joint on his album, On Reasonable Doubt. Right. Then that was, that Big, was Brooklyn's Finest. Brooklyn's Finest. And then there was one on Big's album, Life After Death. It's on the first disc. I love the dough. Yeah. Angela um, Winbush on the hook. Yeah. So, I mean, what? And there was one more joint they had done together. I don't even know if it hit an I, album. Uh, it was on, if I remember correctly, it was on Puff Daddy and the Family's album. Okay. Yeah. And it's just bananas. They were just perfect together. Perfect. Um, yeah, man. So that that's crazy. I remember Big Passing. I was in the You'll Always Remember Big Papa video. Oh, word? Yeah, like there's those kids on the steps and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah one of those, my whole block, like, because my uncle worked for Bad Boy. He was um, head of promotion at that time. So my entire block, my entire crew, that's us on the steps rocking Damn. out. So we were that's in that crazy. video. I remember Mace, uh, Mace challenged us to like a basketball game that day. Mace, Blinky Blink, and, and Loon were having like basketball challenges putting money up against all those kids and mace bust my ass with the killer crossover that's when oh, i mace? first knew mace was nice because i didn't like i was too young to know like harlem mace like actually right right college basketball him and cam busting ass type stuff yo he hit me with the crossover it was before and one mixtape days and i was embarrassed <laughs> oh yeah it was grimy i still got pictures of that day like with everybody too so yeah, I, I just remember that video and everyone coming out, and then the locks. The locks was the locks is part. They're rhyming while we're on the stairs, so we chilled with the locks a lot that day. Um, yeah, man. So it, it was just crazy to see everyone out there. Faith just crying her eyes out. Foxy was there. Um, yeah. it, it was crazy. I, I don't think Kim was there, but I think they filmed Kim like somewhere else actually for that video. I don't think she could even show. But C's was there. I just remember seeing everyone come out. I saw, you know, Fat Joe for the first time there. Just the, the other people. Busta came out. It, it was one full day. They shut down a legit five blocks in Harlem. And it was just all people hugging and loving and remembering big. So that's always what I remember when it passed. Like, even though I was young and I was just like one of the little weird kids in the video, I remember the reactions of everyone else who was older. Um, yeah. yeah, yo, that is bananas. So, you know, every year kind of just got to touch and touch base with Big and everything he did. Um, before we get into combat sports, though, to turn it into a different note, I have a question. Um, more of a life experience this week. 
So everyone who listens to the podcast know I share way too much on this podcast. Um, But we're all family, so I got to do it. Public service announcement. If you are feeling a way or if you want to do something and express yourself, do it directly to who you are talking to. Do not put something on social media, specifically Facebook. I have learned this lesson this week. So I had a very poignant message. I had to get something off of my chest. It was directed at maybe four or five people. I decided to post it on Facebook. And the groundswell, and I appreciate all the, hey, you good, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. All the support is much needed. Uh, But it's so crazy when I don't even realize how many people read Facebook until some shit like this happens. And, yo, there's people who thought I was going to jump off a bridge. I was like, yo, you took it wrong. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And, yo, it was crazy. So, um, FYI, don't post your stuff on Facebook. That's there. Andreas, my question to you, though, is when ex handling exes, because the whole scenario, not even this situation, but it, it reminded me of, like, the first time I went through something publicly on Facebook, and it was with my ex-wife and all this and getting over that and talking to exes how do you do it because really i don't rock with my ex-wife like that people have heard that podcast already uh i i I don't do it i try not to talk to her we parent together and that's about it but there's people and we talked about this in a separate group chat that actively have good standing relationships with their exes not like someone they want to get back not someone they want to have a future with like a legit ass ex and good relationship how i don't understand this I mean, I don't either. Um, <laughs> Good, because it's just not me being young and like 28 years old and being like, nah, fuck that. I'm petty. I, I, I think what it is is just kind of the magnitude of the relationship, right? So it's like if you guys were in super deep and there was a lot of time spent and you split amicably, then there's a possibility that you could be friends. But if there's like cheating involved or if there's like time heals wounds, I guess, in that sense. And then it's really up to, you know, the person who did the other person wrong and that's always up for debate, too, because there's always going to be a debate like, oh, well, you, you, I cheated because. Right. So that oh, happens. that's but, the worst way to go. Yeah. Never go because like, <laughs> right. like giving, Never you know, rationalize trying, the cheating. Like I cheated because blank. Yeah, that doesn't work. That's a qualifier doesn't work when you're cheating. But um, if you guys are able to agree on the timing not being right, then I see that happening. Me, um, like most of my exes, like, all right, like I didn't have anything serious. It was like high school, and then I had one girlfriend, and then I ended up meeting my wife. And then, so it was like there was not a whole lot of space in between to even dabble with other like relationships that were of any kind of significance. So that's easy. But the one relationship that I did have, like out of high school, it's like I don't talk to her, and people ask me about her, and you know, it's that's it's a whole other story. Like I don't share my personal business on like Facebook or Twitter, or whatever. But um. I just don't feel the need to, right? Like some people are like, oh, well, you should. But I'm like, why? Like, because there's a lot of people I don't talk to from my past. Why should I talk to her? What's the point? See, that's right? weird. I mean, because even at that point, what, you had MySpace? Yeah, I mean, Which is kind of, yeah, I guess, was, dead now. But yeah, there's, but there's like a lot of lingering pictures and you tailor so much stuff towards someone. It's like... Yo, if I, I get on this days from like five, six years ago, and I'm just like, oh, I was wilding. Like, like, oh, I thought I was happy. Like, oh, I'm bugging. 
Yeah, like, it's see. still that, like, and it still doesn't let me get over it. Still. Yeah, and yeah. I just feel like, yo, I don't understand. I guess when someone's gone and they're really gone, it's just like, yo, I, I'm not rocking with them. And a lot of people, I know people who are friends with all of their exes. Yeah, I can't. I, I mean, I, I don't understand. Or, you know, it, the exes but... come to the wedding. My I, quick, so, this dude, Barone, I, I guess I dropped his last name. This dude, Barone, um, was getting married to his wife. I went to high school with Barone. He was getting married to his wife. I went to his wedding in October. Another good friend of ours from high school used to date his wife for a year and a half when they were in college. Mm. He invited him to the wedding. The, the kid came to the wedding, dolo, no date. They didn't give him a plus one. So it's me, all our high school friends, we all have a plus one, and our girlfriends, and then dude by himself having to watch his ex get married to someone else. Yeah, her, her whole so family funny. there, all this stuff. When I say, yo, he had a flask. It was open bar. He still had a flask. Like he was getting torn up. Just oh man, he was so drunk by the end of it. But I was just like, I don't understand that logic. I never, yo, I get married again. No exes at the wedding. <laughs> no, nah, don't even, don't even look for that. One, I, I really think it's super dope. Um, I, I saw who got married recently. That I thought, were you in the wedding? I think it was Shake. Shake was in the wedding, yeah. Shake got married. Shake got married. They did it super dope. Not big, not huge. They did something they liked. They wore what they wanted. Super cool. Yeah. Quick and easy to the point. People we love, close people, we out. That's how I got to be. Like, oh, man. Those huge weddings and feeding 300 people and all of... Nah, that shit's for the birds. And definitely yeah. no exes. Like, yo, I need like, you know... Give me 40 people, and let's go watch ROH after. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm cool. No reception. Let's, 40 people, and let's just buy the bar out at Sam's, Sam's Town during ROH. Well, see, this is how I did it, right? I got married on a cruise, and I got married in Puerto Vallarta with my wife. So, oh, yeah, you can invite though. people. <laughs> but it's like the people who really want to go will find a way to go. Those are the people that mean the most to you. Like, They'll find a way. Uh, understandably, there's some people that won't be able to go because of work obligations or money or what have you. But it's the easy way to weed out not having like 150 people at your wedding because everybody's not going to be able to get a flight. Because I'm not paying for your flight. Like, get on the boat. Like, everything else will be taken care of. But, you know, we kept it, we kept it small because of that. And, you know, it was really easy. Like, it wasn't no grand. Well, there was no phones. There was no nothing. We were on a cruise. We were sailing. We were on like a seven-day cruise. So, that's how I did it, and I enjoyed that. Like, I didn't want nothing big, because um, I'm a big believer in, and anybody knows me, I say this all the time, I'm a big big believer in not doing things on social media and having people congratulate me who don't talk to me. Like, <laughs> I don't like that shit. Like, I don't like posting things that people be like, oh, congratulations. Like, fool, you don't even know me. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like that putting out my personal business like that. So when I got married, the only people that needed to know are the people that care about me. You know, and everything else in my life is just if you're close to me, you know. Otherwise, dude, I use this mainly for work. You know See, what I'm saying? That's and what I'm starting to learn like with, with this post. Like people said, and I once again, I appreciate the comments and everything. But some people who I know and I speak to less than people who listen to this podcast came out of the woodwork and like, oh, you'll be okay. Or, oh, you're such a great person. And blah, blah. Like, all right, thank you. But we're not that close. Like, you, you could have just read the message and kept it moving. Like, I, I really appreciated, like, the people I know who were close to me. 
um, the people who I was aiming to, you know, say that towards, they reach out to me. That was great. And people who listen to the podcast, shout out to everyone who are listeners to the podcast who hit me up and was like, yo, you good? Or, you know, Kel, you'll be all right, blah, blah, blah. I got so much support from listeners of the podcast that we talk, you know, on Twitter all week and we talk about random boxing or wrestling and all that stuff. They came out and I appreciated that. Everyone else, eh, I don't need it. So this definitely will be a step towards me venturing like into old man Andreas territory as far as social media is concerned. <laughs> like, just, I, I'm just off the grid. Like you're gonna see my articles from champions, you're gonna see a couple BSO joints and and a picture of me just lounging every now and then outside it or the food I cook. That's it. That's my social media. Like I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, I vent like y'all see me vent about things in society and, and you know public issues, but yeah, my private life is my private life, and, and that's I learned that you know back in the MySpace days, I was posting like too much, and you know at a certain point you start realizing like well nothing's sacred, so it was like all right, well I'm gonna pull this back for the sake of my marriage and for the sake of my own sanity. Like I don't need people locating me and trying to be my friend that weren't my friend before, especially when you look at my life. That's the thing that pisses me off. It's like. I ain't talked to you in like 15 years. And it's like, yo, you see that I'm doing okay. And it's like, oh man, let's, I don't want people knowing what I do like that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want yeah. people being in my business like that to be able to say, well, yeah, yeah, I saw Andres. He's doing fine. I, I check his Facebook statuses every day, but we're not homies. So it's like, <laughs> cut it out. Anyway. Yeah, that's something I definitely learned. I had to vent, get that off my chest. You know, it was a crazy, crazy couple of days for me, but I feel like everything's going good. Everything's a positive direction. Thanks for all, everyone reaching out to me. We're all good. Um, stuff is on the up and up. We got ROH this weekend, which we're going to talk about a little later. But first, I got to put a downer on the podcast. UFC 207, man. I was in Atlanta. Oh. I wasn't here for it. Um, set up a nice little... You mean 209? 209, excuse me. Yeah, 207 is when Ronda got killed. Yeah, so. sorry. 209. Um, I was in Atlanta. I had to cover NASCAR and all that. I ain't miss shit. Like, by the time I got home and watched it, I was like, oh, 209 is trash. Ooh boy. Yeah, this I mean, you're starting on a downer. This is just gonna be a down podcast because then we gotta <laughs> talk about wrestling and fast lane and, and <laughs> if y'all saw me on Twitter, like, oh my God. So yeah, we can start with two oh nine. And first things first, before we even talk about the lousy main event, is Khabib Nurmagomedov having to be pulled from the car because he had to get hot he was hospitalized less than twelve hours before the weigh in. That right there was a sign like it's over. Like this card is a wrap because the undercard wasn't big a big deal to begin with, but losing Khabib and Ferguson um, on it a was, card, yeah, it was top it, heavy, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So losing, I mean, it easily for a lot of people was the most intriguing fight on the card, not because of just the interim title, which to a lot of people means nothing, but it's the Conor McGregor sweepstakes, and Khabib being the lone guy who was well, not the lone, but. One of the very few people who are truly undefeated in MMA facing a surging Tony Ferguson and the animosity between those two to see this fight for the third time. This isn't the first time. This is the third time this fight got canceled. Nurmagomedov got hurt the first time. Ferguson got hurt the second time. And now Nurmagomedov uh, couldn't make do make the way in the third time. It's like this. It's snake bit, man. I don't know if we're ever going to see this fight ever. I don't um, want to see it. Like one of them better be champion. And I still have no faith in that. Um, Conor McGregor called Khabib the pullout merchant. Right on the money. Mystic Max strikes again. Yo, it's so crazy because at this point, one, AKA is just wrecked. 
Like you, every big fighter they've had this year has pulled out of a fight. Everyone. And this is their third consecutive title fight, I believe, that one of their fighters pulled out of. Um, or at least number one contenders fight if you're talking about Kane. Kane caught a brick and missed his shot at, you know, getting another title shot. So it, it's just, it's mind-boggling what's going on there. I, I, people say it's, you know, just luck or it's not how they train or something. Something's got to give. Something is fundamentally wrong at what's going on there. Well, that was a nutrition issue more than anything else. Regardless, I mean, yeah, I mean, but that's something that good gyms have. I, I've seen the Team Alpha Male fight week stuff. I've seen, you know, Jackson's camp. They just don't say, okay, you train, you walk out my door, goodbye. A lot of gyms, you pay the gym. It's some of the best gyms in the world. You can have your nutrition through the gym. How do you not make a weight cut? Khabib, to me, has too many coaches. There's too uh, many chefs in the kitchen. Like, he has his, what, his father, his coaches back from Russia, a.k.a. all this. Like, come on. It, it makes no sense. They didn't know, okay, how about we contact the UFC first? No, we're going to pick him up, carry him like weekend at Bernie's, and take him to a random hospital in Vegas, probably the shittiest hospital in Vegas, and then complain. I mean, but, you know, in their defense, I mean, you see something like that happening. I, I don't think at four in the morning, your first instinct is to call the UFC. It's, it's to take care. Especially, if, you know, if Ali, as, as close as Ali and Khabib are, for Ali to see Khabib in that state, I would do the same thing. Like, if I saw you on the floor, I'm not calling your job to tell him you're not coming in today. I'm taking <laughs> you to the hospital. You know what I'm saying? So it's like. Fair point. That, you know, I give a pass for that. Like, Dan is saying they could have saved the fight. That may be true, but it, it's four in the morning and, you know, you, your guy's writhing in pain. Your your immediate instinct is to call 911 or get this guy to the hospital. You're, it's not too, um, you know, it's one of those things. It's just like, you know, you never know what you're going to do when you're in that situation. And, and it, it happened. And um, I don't know what this means exactly. You know, uh, I, I will say this. When I, when I interviewed Khabib on Thursday... Um, after I was done talking to him, I turned to somebody, might've been Damon Martin from Fox. I can't remember. And I was like, he don't look right. Something's wrong. And I, I was like, he said, he doesn't want to talk to us, but there's something wrong. And it, so he, something was wrong with his weight cut. Um, and it's becoming this big issue. And I think, I think the, the thing to fix this, and I don't want to dwell on this too long is to the, the, the gap between weight classes is too wide, you know, but it's one, you know, it's one forty five. 155, 170. That's 15 pounds in between weight classes. People, the reason why boxers don't miss weight as much is because the weight class is separated by like four or five pounds. Yeah. 15 pounds is a lot. And, and we, we get to see that when Joyce St. Pierre is going to fight Michael Bisping because GSP fighting as a 170 pounder who will probably walk into the octagon that night around 185, 190, where Bisping is going to have a minimum of a 10 pound weight advantage. But it's because the weight classes are so spread out. So it's harder for guys to make weight. Like you look at Johnny Hendricks, clearly he's not a middleweight. You look at him, it's like, dude, he's the smallest middleweight out there, but he's too big for welterweight. So there has to be something in between. Until then, we're always going to have weight cutting issues. Guys are going to miss weight. It's professional. You're supposed to make weight. But that 15 pounds is a lot in between welterweight and, um, and lightweight. It's just it's a lot of weight. It, it is. And I, I don't know why they don't go every 10 pounds. You don't have to be boxing. You don't have to go, you know, every four or five pounds. Go every 10. You're already making up titles and have everyone got an interim belt. So you can't say that, oh, there would be too many titles. You have a million anyway. Go every 10. You have more champions. You have people to now fill out the cards a little better. And there, I don't see a problem with that. 
it's safer. That's that's all my thing. Is it's safer? Again, one fifty five to one seventy. Like try losing just fifteen pounds, right? Just and and it's like you have to hit that mark for a title fight, right? So it's like there's really nothing in between one fifty five and one seventy. One seventy to one eighty five. It's another fifteen pounds. Yeah. You know, in boxing you have uh, one forty seven, one fifty four. You know, it's like you have junior middleweight. Uh, junior welterweight, like there's there's a bunch of weight class in between. So if you can't hit this weight, this is the weight you're gonna fight at. I mean, look at Adrian Broner. Imagine if Adrian Broner had to choose between one uh, one seventy and one fifty five. Yeah, he'd be stuck. You know what I'm saying? Like and, right and now, I, like if he was in the UFC, he can't. He hasn't shown the ability to make one forty four in a while. So there would be no one forty seven. He'd be fighting one fifty fives. So if that was the same mold in boxing, he'd be in there against Charlo. Exactly, and, and he's get huge, killed by Charlo. <laughs> that's and that's my point. I was thinking about this, and I, I think I'm going to write something on this soon. It's just it's like people talk about weight cutting, and you know Joe Rogan is against it all the time. Fighters should fight at their weight. Well, if there was more weights to fight at, then that, that would make sense. Like Rogan is spot on because dehydrating your body is just not natural. Killing yourself to make weight is not natural, and then blowing up is not good on the body. And as you get older, it becomes more difficult. Metabolism changes, things of that nature. So it sucks. So ultimately. As soon as I heard this fight was off on you know, 209, I was like, oh, God, I don't even want to – like, I want to go to the Thurman Garcia fight in New York. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's where my mind immediately went. Um, we'll talk about that later as well. So, yeah, this thing was snake-bitten, and then the card happened. So you, you want to you talk about these results? Yeah, man. To me, to me, it's the worst title fight in UFC history. It's up there. There's been some bad ones. There's been some bad ones. I'm sure you're going to make me write something about this for champions sooner or later. Um and ranking the worst title fights in the UFC history. But I I don't want to say it's hyperbole to call this one the worst. There's one round when they threw six punches combined. Strikes, not even punches, strikes. Look, they, they just looked at all, each other. And I still had Steven Thompson winning. Yeah, so, so people that follow this podcast know from the day that we launched this podcast, I said Wonderboy was going to be a champion. And... In this particular fight, he should have been the champion, in my opinion. He should have won, but but he didn't earn it. Like, this was a shitty fight. <laughs> and and being cage side for it made it even worse. Because it's like you're watching this fight and you're watching these two guys standing for it. You got tired. And it's, it, the interesting thing about it is when you listen to Woodley's rationale for how this fight played out, which ended up with him winning a decision, which I didn't think he won, another a majority decision at that. His, his mental state was protecting the title. And when protecting the title, you get a cut of the pay-per-view, you make more money. right? So obviously every champion makes more money by being champion. But when you come into the fight knowing that one mistake can literally change your pay from a few hundred thousand dollars to back, maybe perhaps under six figures, I can almost understand why Woodley didn't engage with Wonderboy. Because there is really nowhere for him to go. He's the, going to lose with that mentality because someone who's hungry is going to come and take his face off. Perhaps. The, the issue is, is that the way his style of fighting and Wonderboy's style of fighting is two counterpunchers, right? So that, that makes it very difficult. Somebody else is going to come at Woodley and get beat up because there are a lot of people that are not going to beat Tyron Woodley in the welterweight division. Because if you come at him and you get hit, and he's Steven Thompson. Out. Yeah, that. I mean, yeah, but like both of these guys are, are still very difficult to, to beat, but for each other, and the fact that Wonderboy has tasted Woodley's power at 205 and knows what was coming. So it's like 
it's not that I expected this. I, I said on uh, one of the uh, interviews that I did, that I expected them to do a lot of staring at each other, and whoever made the first mistake was going to lose. So their job was to not make a mistake. Well, fuck, they didn't make a mistake for five rounds. Like, Wonder Boy made a mistake with like 45 seconds left. Yeah, and somehow Woodley got a 10 8 round. I was like, that's not a. Part. Yeah, I was like, that's not a 10 8 round, though. He beat him yeah. up for 30 seconds. It was, see, like this fight, there was, you know, if there was any way to qualify a 10 10 round, this would have been the fight because two guys who don't do shit against each other should get a 10-10 round. Correct. I hate it. Um, and I think I didn't score any rounds 10-10 because I was just like, eh, I think Wonderboy landed a kick, so I gave him a round. And so it was like it was that bad. But it doesn't bode well for either fighter. Woodley's, you know, as much as he talks about race, which I'm wholeheartedly with him on, this is not going to help your profile at all. Doing like you can't claim to be the greatest welterweight fighter in the history of the UFC and have a performance like this. I get it. You won, but nobody's impressed. Nobody's impressed with this type of performance. Um, and for Wonder Boy, it's like I, you're not going to get another shot at Woodley no time soon. Not after this. No. You better hope Damian Maya wins that title because <laughs> you're going to be on the sideline. And you and to me, he's still the most dangerous welterweight in the division. But you can't fight like that. Styles you know? make fights. And yeah. they they overtrain for each other. For for all purposes, they've had a six month camp. If you go before two oh five all the way through this fight, training for the same person. They psyched each other out. Yeah, they, they knew did. too much. And they were scared of too much. And they it, it didn't make for a good fight. So yeah, they have to fight other people. So Damian yeah. Maya should get the title shot. Um, if not, honestly, if I'm Conor McGregor and I'm looking at that fight, I'm like, I, I can beat Tyron Woodley. Yeah, and I know, be. I know he thought that originally, but with the wide stance, a similar stance to Wonder Boy, and saying if I don't attack, and my rate, my output rate is just a little higher than Wonder Boy, and I throw the kicks and I keep him at a distance, <clears throat> I'm fine. That's, yeah. that's what Connor says. Because Woodley still didn't try a take now. No, and I get that. And, and while that's true, the problem is is that you know Woodley was fighting a Wonder Boy who looks like a middleweight. Like Wonder Boy, and like Woodley looks like a middleweight. He's just short and compact. Wonder Boy's tall and rangy. Conor McGregor is neither of those things. And he comes in there against Woodley, and he's a little bit more active, and he gets hit with the same shot that Wonder Boy got hit that, that Woodley lands. Oh, and he's going down. Yeah. That's the problem with that fight. I think Connor, if his cardio holds up, would be able to outpoint Tyron Woodley like Wonder Boy did earlier in the I fight. And I yeah, think I the mystique of Connor McGregor wins him those rounds that Woodley, I mean that Wonder Boy didn't get. I think Connor. Like, I don't know we're if talking about this has real that off switch. Yeah, <laughs> we're talking about this this real hypothetical fight that I don't see happening, but. Connor, Connor and Woodley is a, it's an interesting fight, but I think Woodley fights that fight completely different. I think he comes at Connor, okay. and I think he goes for the takedown. And I think he tries to outmuscle him. Well, we thought and, the same thing with Wonder Boy. And, and but my thing is, is if Nate Diaz could hurt Connor McGregor, what do you think Wonder Boy is going to do to him? Nate Diaz is not a power puncher. Oh, I think He's, Wonder Boy is a horrible matchup for Conor McGregor. I mean, Woodley. I'm sorry, not Wonder Boy, Woodley. If Woodley got laid a hand, like, if Woodley laid a hand on Conor, because it's not like Conor doesn't get hit. Conor does get hit. Oh, yeah. It's just, mm, it depends. Wood, like, Woodley is fast. Like, Woodley's counters are fast. Woodley is and, fast, but I like Conor better against, and granted, Woodley's a much bigger stock. He's short and stocky for that division, if that makes sense. To Connor, he wouldn't be as short and stocky. 
But Connor does really well against guys in his weight classes that are short and stocky. The yeah, wrestlers, just, the all the—that's Connor's favorable matchup. Is those type of fighters when he fights someone rangy like a Nate Diaz? That's when I worry. If he had to fight someone like a Wonder Boy, that is when I worry. When someone is short and stocky, I'll, I'll give it to him. I, I it'd be hard pressed for me to pick and size and everything me to pick against Conor McGregor against Tyron Woodley. Yeah, I, I don't see any way right now that Conor McGregor beats Tyron Woodley. I think Conor McGregor would get knocked out fighting his fight against Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley hits too hard and has too big of a size advantage. You thought Nick Diaz was big. Tyron Woodley's bigger. So, yeah. Anyway. The, anyway, I, um, before we move on, GSP versus Bisping. Um, again, this is a dangerous fight. Like People are like, yo, GSP, this, this, weight, this weight jump? Mm-hmm. GSP should win this fight if he wrestles, but he's going to have a hell of a time with a three-and-a-half-year layoff fighting a, a Michael Bisping who's pretty active. Everybody wants a piece of Bisping. I'm just curious because if Matt Serra knocked GSP, and I know that was years ago, and Johnny Hendricks lumped up GSP, and Jake Shields lumped up GSP, Michael Bisping has a chance. If, he can, if he's able to struggle off the takedown, this is, this is a dangerous fight. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe in Michael Bisping's hands to that level. Um, to me, Michael Bisping himself is a points fighter. He, he wasn't able to hurt old man, Dan Henderson. Dan Henderson has a hard head, big yeah. difference. Dan Henderson okay. is a light heavyweight. But at H- that. Hendo walked out without a scratch. Um, I don't know. You, you look at the run. Okay. So we have a five fight winning streak currently for Michael Bisping. His last loss came to Luke Rockhold before that. Five fight winning streak. CB Dalloway by decision. Uh, he fought Latus, split decision win. Anderson Silva, decision win, which I thought he got knocked out by Silva. Um, and they didn't give it to Anderson. Luke Rockhold caught him with the sneaky punch on a late um, addition to that card. So Rockhold never trained for him. And Dan Henderson, who I thought beat him. No one in there outside of Rockhold is the caliber of of GSP. I agree. Silver included. Look, I, I agree that GSP should be the favorite. He should be a two-to-one favorite in this fight. Yo, but this is not as easy as a fight as people are trying to make it seem. I think it is. You look at the people he's beat outside of Rockhold who got cocky. That His last wins before CB Dalloway, Kung Lee, Alan Belcher, Brian Stan, who's just an analyst, Jason Miller. He's lost to anyone of consequence. Chael Sonnen dominated him. Uh, TRT Belfort, Rectum, Tim Kennedy, yeah. unanimous decision. Rockhold right, tapped him like it. The size and, and is an new, issue, man. And new. Look, 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 the size is an issue. Tim Kennedy is not the biggest guy in the world. If you want to ask anybody about size, ask Conor McGregor. What happened when he fought Nate Diaz? Let's not act like Nate Diaz was a world beater. He had a very average record, very similar to Michael Bisping before that fight. Size matters. And so... It's true. So I'm picking GSP to win, but you can't... It's not that simple. Right? So it's it's he should win with his wrestling, but if Bisping is able to shrug off a takedown, if Bisping is able to to strike first, because like I said, I didn't like how GSP looked against Hendricks or Jake Shields. He didn't look very good. Carlos Condit, he almost got knocked out. 
So I'm not saying that GSP will get knocked out. I still think he'll win the fight, but it's dangerous. No, that's that's true. That's true. Um, well, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks because Bisping is going to let us hear it. Uh, the quotes keep coming. He's playing the ultimate heel role, and that's great. So we'll talk more about that. Right now, we have to take a break because we got to come back and we got to talk wrestling. And this is what people have been dying to hear you talk about. Fast lane. <laughs> and I know that you just absolutely love these pay-per-views before Mania. So we're going to take a quick break. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. Listen up, because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we get to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. If you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. If there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right, we are back. Quick little break. Um, Thank you guys for always taking that survey. They keep flooding in. I know we mention it every week, but it matters, man. It helps out the show. Before we let Andreas just absolutely rip the WWE, I have to talk about ROH. 15th anniversary weekend. Andreas is fancy, and he'll be like front row, second row. I'll be in the nosebleeds, but I don't care. I'm hyped because we get to see the Hardys versus the Bucks versus Rapungi Vice, who I, I strongly dislike. But they can't even ruin this for me. No, this is going to be... Look, the Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary is on Friday night. Um, of course, I'm looking forward to it. There's no nosebleeds. It's at Samstown. Like, dude, dude you can sit anywhere and see the fight. Um <laughs> I mean, see the matches. You're going to have a good seat regardless. But, yeah, the fact that the, Harley, the Hardys have decided to do some television dates with Ring of Honor. Um, they've signed a deal, even though nobody knows the terms of this deal, how long it is going to be or what have you. Um, but this is pretty exciting. The Hardys versus the Bucks versus Rapongi Vice in a Vegas street fight should be the main event. I get it. Adam Cole and Christopher Daniels. You know, you got Daniels looking to, to win the ROH title. He was in the first ROH show. That's your main event. Dude, this should be your main event. Like this match is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be hard for them to follow it. Um, yeah, dude, the air is going to be loud. The building, like, I have no idea when it comes to pacing how you handle this because you know they're going to tear the house down. So there's going to have to be a buffer match in between. I have no idea who that could be. Um, Bubba Ray Dudley is also making his uh, ROH debut. Uh, showed up in Manhattan Mayhem last week, so he'll be there teaming, teaming up with the Briscoes. Is there anything um, more perfect than Bully Ray and the Briscoes? I feel like they were made for each other. 
Yeah, I mean, look, this is something that the WWE has consistently dropped the ball on. Bully Ray is a great singles competitor, and he's a great character. I have no idea why they didn't split the Dudleys up and let Bully Ray have a singles run. Anyway, but the fact that he's in ROH, he's never done it before, so that's great, too. Um, Hopefully, uh, this leads to some some Hardys in New Japan as well. I'm looking forward to that, if that were to happen. Oh, that'd be dope. Um, What else do we have? Jay Lethal versus Bobby Fish. I don't care. Yeah, Jay Lethal, of course. Um, Six-man tag match, The Kingdom with their revolving members versus Dalton Castle and the boys. And you know we always mark out for Dalton Castle. Yeah, It's time for them to win the titles. Dalton Castle should be in the main event picture soon. His character's his character's so good that you feel like he doesn't need a title, but yeah. But we also like my f- other favorite match before they announced the Hardys is Leo Russ versus Marty Scurll. I'm a huge Marty Scurll mark. I think this guy is the the imminent villain um with the umbrella that now Jack Gallagher has taken away and every, everybody else is hijacked from him, but Marty Scurll and the chicken wing, I can't wait to see this. Yeah, Marty Scurll is great. Um, between him and Pete Dunne, they're two of my favorite heels in all of wrestling. Because they're like pure heels. Yeah, like there's no way to make them good guys. Like there's, there is no face turn coming. No, no, not they, at all. They are just mean at their core. Um, and that's great. That should be a great fight. I know the only thing I kind of am upset about with that match is that it's not a triple threat and we don't get to see Will Ospreay. Yeah, he's going to be at Supercard of Honor. I think he was at Manhattan Mayhem. I have no idea why he's not at ROH, and I'm pissed because I really wanted to see uh, Will Ospreay wrestle, but yeah. whatever. So we don't get that, but that's cool. It's still going to be a good fight. Um, and then we talked about the street fight with the Hardys and Adam Cole versus Christopher Daniels, which is kind of like the cool down. It's like the coffee after a bomb-ass meal at dinner. Like It's like, okay, whatever, man. We're, we're just trying to trying to cool down from that crazy match. Um, so we have a great weekend coming up. Last weekend was a rough one for you. You didn't watch Fastlane live. No. You watched it the next morning and tweeted mm-hmm. through the entire thing. Disgusting. And, and you were on a, a pause. You are on the freeze, social media included. And me and many, many listeners of this podcast were just going crazy and adding you and be like, oh, Andres is going to lose his mind when he sees this shit. Because it... Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Yeah, my mentions, look, my mentions were in sham. Like, I turned off all my notifications. Like, I turned off my notifications from the night before because I didn't know want to know who won the Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia fight after UFC 209. So I didn't see anything. I turned on my email notifications. I turned off everything. When Fastlane started, all my notifications were off. So I woke up Monday early, and I was like, all right, I'm going to turn on Fastlane. And I looked at my phone because, you know, it shows a number of mentions. And it was like 100. It had like the plus sign, 100. And I was like, what happened? So, yeah. So I watched it. And then I went and looked at my notifications. And, yeah, man. Like, duh, I was I was unhappy. What a shitty show. Good God. <laughs> um, so much went wrong. Let's run down a list of shit that went wrong. First off, we had Goldberg squashing Kevin Owens. Oh, you want to start there? You oh, we're start starting. Right? We're starting at the top. Yeah. We're, no, it's... it's we're going downhill. The, you know, we're gonna just snow snowball this shit all the way downhill. Um, it starts where we. Th- I knew it was gonna be squash match due to the random additions to the pay per view. When you were watching yeah. it, you texted me. You're like, "Is this an episode of Raw?" So like, bad. why do we have Rusev and Jinder Mahal? Like what? Hard body Mahal. <laughs> they just started throwing random shit into the pay per view because I feel like Goldberg was in the back and was like. 
I give you 10 minutes tonight. And then he's like getting loose and stretching. Be like, yo, Vince, I can do five. Five. Five good minutes tonight. I got you. And then right before he goes out, he's like, Vince only got three for you, man. That's it. Like you get three, three, no, two minutes, two minutes. Have Kevin do some funny shit. He went Larry Zabisco. Okay, so this is how we're going to do this because there's also Raw and SmackDown. We'll talk about each match and then how it played out on Raw the following night. Sounds good. Because we, we don't have a whole lot of time, so I want to I get through this. Yeah. We've got work to do. So we'll talk about Goldberg, Kevin Owens first. Um, did, did everybody expect the squash? Yes. Did we want the squash? No. Uh, when we saw Paul Heyman early in the night, we just kind of got teased that maybe Lesnar would show up to ruin this match. That didn't happen. For some strange reason, which I'll talk <laughs> about later, uh, Mick Foley rolls up on Samoa Joe and tells Samoa Joe not to interfere in the match. This blew my mind because the reason why it happened was completely lost on me. There were talk, there's been talk on the dirt sheet about Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens forming a stable with Triple H, but it had not come to fruition on television yet. Joe and Owens had never been seen together, and we're, it was Until only spectac- Raw. Right, until the following night. So why did Mick Foley say this for a Kevin Owens in a Goldberg match? It made absolutely no sense. It infuriated me because it was like I just didn't understand why this happened. So, okay. So all these mitigating factors. Now, mind you. I have a I, horrible theory on why it happened, by the way. I'm so, sure it's just going to piss you off when you hear it. Probably. Continue. But, so my, I'm watching the pay-per-view, and I, as, as, there's 20 minutes after the Charlotte Bailey match. Right. And I remember I text Marcus and I was like, there's 20 minutes left. So he starts showing the promo. And I was like, there's 10 minutes left. Goldberg's walked in the ring. Eight minutes left. So I'm literally counting down when this match is going to start. Owen starts stalling. Two minutes left. Jericho comes out and Goldberg spears Jackhammer's one, two, three. All right. So this happens. I'm disgusted, but I've already been disgusted through the entire paper. <laughs> but but my issue with this is that. You're going to cause mutiny at WrestleMania because Goldberg has done nothing. I've never seen a champion do less than Goldberg in the amount of times he's been in the ring. He's been in the ring three times. Lesnar, the Rumble, and now against Owens. And he's not, been in, he's not done anything aside from like a spear and a jackhammer. That's I don't it. even remember throwing punches. So you, it's, 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 you're putting the title on. You're putting him in a title program, which is going to headline your biggest event of the year. In a match that nobody believes can go longer than 10 minutes. And most of us are speculating if it can go five. So this is your main program. And everybody knows the heat is with Jericho and Owens. Why, I, just, I, I get why the WWE is doing it. Because they're trying to make it prestigious. And I, even if you shoot long term, you say, okay, the winner of WrestleMania is going to take a hell of a lot to beat him. And you, but Goldberg has to lose at WrestleMania, doesn't he? He, he does not. And the key is Brock beats up Goldberg for the next three weeks, yada, yada, yada. Goldberg. Wait, wait, wait. Stop right there. Goldberg's not booked for another Raw until the week before WrestleMania. So you're not going to see him. All right. Well, Brock, you know, gets the better of him the night before. He hits his, you know, the week before the go-home show. He hits the F5, all this shit. Goldberg wins at WrestleMania. Goldberg gets his WrestleMania moment. He leaves WrestleMania as champion. The following night. On Monday, this is another thing you're not going to like about Mania. Triple H beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. The following night, Kevin Owens as U.S. Champion, Samoa Joe as the Destroyer, helped Triple H defeat Goldberg for the title. 
Yeah, that's and, not happening. And that is how you take the belt off of Goldberg. And then Seth Rollins can come after Triple H to get the title. That's not happening. All right. I'm telling you. Here, here's, here's why. It, and if it happens, whatever. And but, that's why it was teased. That's why no. Mick said, don't go out there and interfere to Samoa this Joe. Is, because Samoa Joe will interfere and let Triple H take the title. And why? Because Triple H, at his core, is still Triple H. And he is the biggest guy in the room. And who can but, take the belt off of Goldberg or Lesnar? Him. In his mind, him. And only him. And then maybe Rollins can take it and it's back to normal. So, okay. So here's the problem with this. One, Lesnar still has a ton of dates on his contract. You have Lesnar lose at WrestleMania to Goldberg again, his stock is less than nothing. Lesnar wins, you have a Lesnar Strowman program you can put on. You have a Lesnar Reigns program you can put on. There are... There are directions you can go with Lesnar that you absolutely cannot go with Goldberg. Furthermore, the crowd, I know it was a Chicago crowd, but they're already turning on Goldberg. So it's going to be really hard to close your show with him winning. Because he, all he wanted to do was win the title for his son. That's the only reason why he really came back. That's and the it. Only reason, and the only reason why he came back, you know, like this whole 2K deal, like there's, there's, I can't necessarily see the WWE not using Goldberg after WrestleMania, but I can't see them keeping the title on him. And I can't see them putting the title on Triple H, but I can't see them putting the title back on Brock Lesnar because they- But then he's going to disappear with it. He doesn't have that many dates on his contract. Well, he does. Here, here's the thing. If you've noticed the past few weeks, he comes out and he does nothing. They're, they had to burn his dates because they, had, they didn't know what to do with him. So now they have to use him. And now they have to get busy with him. So it's like, all right, cool. He beats Goldberg at Mania because I just feel like there's no way in, in WWE storytelling that you can have Goldberg dominate him at Survivor Series and beat him at the – like toss him out the Rumble. Because I don't ever think that this was thought to be the main event at WrestleMania until they saw how well-received Goldberg was. So, But it has, things have to kind of go back to normal, and that means putting the belt back on Lesnar. Putting the belt back on Lesnar, whoever beats Lesnar – is, is going to be a big deal. And that could be Finn Balor because we don't know. He may return before Mania Finn or right after over Lesnar? It's very possible that they go this route. Shit, that's crazy. It's very because possible. Because he's small. Like, that's, yeah, he's, he's smaller tiny. than Eddie Guerrero. And people are like, oh, that's kind of unbelievable. I remember it's, people b- having a real problem that Eddie Guerrero beat Brock Lesnar with a frog splash. Yeah, well, it's wrestling. Because they're I like, mean, it's unbelievable. Daniel Bryan beat Batista and Randy Orton. I mean, Daniel Bryan's like 5'8", 170 pounds. Yeah, at least pounds. he had like a running knee. Yeah, Finn, but, so, Finn's not hitting the, what? what is it? The, I'm going to call it the Bloody Sunday. So he's not hitting the Bloody Sunday uh, against Brock. And then, so what, he has to win with a coup de grace? It's, it's, I'm just saying, it feels like with Balor coming back, they have to go back to what they originally had was Balor as champ. That's what they wanted. So I feel like they have to find a way to get back there. It's not happening with Balor and Goldberg. So... Anyway, going back to this fast lane thing, yeah, this sucked. This was bad. And, you know, and people, you, you run the risk of turning Kevin Owens a babyface because he deserved better than this. Yeah. Um, I, I guess by using the distraction, which I thought was incredibly weak because I'm so sick and tired of people freezing. Like, Kevin Owens spent all these weeks talking about outsmarting Goldberg. And you heard somebody's theme music and you lost? That's frustrating. Kevin Owens deserves more. And now him and Jericho are fighting for a title that Jericho hasn't even defended. Now, I'm going to say this, and I think I, I tweeted it, and I texted it to a couple, a couple of y'all. The problem with WrestleMania is none of these titles matter. There, is no, Not there is no title that has been held onto longer than three months on the main roster. 
American Alpha is the longest reigning champion, and they won on December 26th or 28th. Everybody else won their titles in the last two months. Damn. That, that makes it worse because nothing – like WrestleMania is usually the culmination of like a long chase for a title or a longstanding champion getting beaten or a longstanding champion defending his title. The title has juice. These titles have no juice. Goldberg just went off of Owens, right? And what makes it worse is Owens and Styles both had lengthy title reigns, and they both dropped their straps in less than two months. The IC title is Dean Ambrose's, which he got off of The Miz in January. The U.S. title is, is Jericho's, who he hasn't even defended it yet. The Raw tag titles were taken off of The New Day, and they don't mean anything. None of the titles mean anything. And that is my biggest problem with WrestleMania, is that you put the strap on Goldberg, but who cares? And they had a chance to make one mean something. Yeah, you and had a chance up. to too. You had like a you... chance to make Charlotte and her streak the number one thing at WrestleMania. Charlotte is champion again. The women's title would have had some luster. And her streak of undefeated pay-per-views would have helped. And they break that. Well, hold on. Because uh, that's, that's my next super furious moment. But, <laughs> but the issue here is like you could have went this route. And now, now that you haven't, because AJ Styles could have still been champion. Like it was a waste putting the style, the, the title on Cena to drop it to to uh, to uh, Bray. Uh, yeah, to Bray Wyatt to now have this Randy Orton match, right? The Orton and Bray Wyatt didn't need this title, but now it has it, right? It's like it has it, but it never ne- really needed the title. Yeah, all these titles are meaningless. They're like trinkets. Like who cares who has the title now? So yeah, all that being said. I thought this was a piss poor decision, but we all saw it coming. It just you just hated to see it happen. Now let's move to Charlotte and Bailey. Go ahead. Now I'll, I'll jump in on this. Yeah, I mean, the match to me wasn't their best match. It was one of the weaker women's matches we've seen in quite some time. I wasn't invested in it. The pay per view kind of had a lull. Um, shout out to the cruiserweights though, because Neville put on a show um, yeah. in his match. Him and Jack Gallagher. Um, they they had the best match of the night, hands down. So there's one title that matters, and it's the Cruiserweight title. So let me not degrade all champions, because Neville has put meaning to that Cruiserweight championship. But he just got it. Which is he my did point. just get it, but he, he yeah. is carrying that division. So a great match, and he had a great match on Raw as well, um, yeah. versus Swan. And we saw Austin Aries come out, and that's going to be a great feud. So there's one belt that matters heading into Mania, and it'll be on a pre-show. Outside of that, the Charlotte thing, it was just, it, it made no sense. I mean, I'm tired of seeing Sasha run in. Like, what is she doing? So she wins, and she beats Nia Jax off her roll-up, so Nia's still kind of hovering in the picture. And you call Charlotte. It's like, Bailey's not a heel. How is this building the character of Bailey and the underdog character? It's supposed to be Bailey against all odds. And instead, they've given Bailey's character too much help. It's like, oh, Bailey can't win on her own. Sasha has to do it for her. And that's not the way to endear Bailey, the character, as she was in NXT. All right. So, yes, what you said is true. Problem number one is Bailey never will work in this role because there's not enough talent to fulfill the underdog role. So my biggest issue that I've said is there's not enough women. How can you have the underdog when she's thrust right into the title picture? Bailey on NXT had to work her way up, and she lost, and she would work, and she'd work against other people. She'd wrestle against other people. There's nobody else for her to wrestle. So now she's right, right in the middle of the Charlotte picture. 
why the fuck would you tease a pay-per-view streak only to break it for absolutely no reason at Fastlane? Furthermore, Bailey's moment was supposed to be at WrestleMania. Granted, I was at Raw and I enjoyed seeing Bailey win the title, but in the grand scheme of things, why didn't you save that for a one-on-one match at WrestleMania? Because now you're going to have two multiple women uh, title matches because SmackDown's doing a, a weird everybody available on the roster versus Alexa Bliss. So you have Sasha Banks, which it's almost painfully obvious that you're going to turn her heel, but how do you turn her heel when that would leave Bailey as the only baby face on the roster? And they got three weeks to do it. That's it. Now it's rushed. So, and, 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 and there, and here's my point that I've been saying forever. <laughs> this is why I despise the middle pay-per-view between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. It rushes storytelling because you have to have something happen at this pay-per-view for people to watch. And then you got to try to tell people why to care four weeks later when these matches kind of happen again. This pay-per-view didn't need to happen for that reason. If Bailey never won the title, right, and you worked an eight-week angle to get her into the match with Charlotte at WrestleMania, it would mean so much more. But now this all means nothing. And Charlotte losing, and Charlotte coming, she comes out like the baby face because she told Dana, get to the back. And Sasha runs out when Charlotte's getting ready to do a moonsault. She wasn't even getting ready to cheat. I, like, I don't even understand. Maybe, maybe like, they're going towards face Charlotte. But, but you can't. because Charlotte's so valuable as a heel. To turn her face makes absolutely no sense. I don't Sasha know. needs to turn heel because I, like, her, her promos are starting to grate on me. I don't like her delivery of her promos. It, it really, I don't like them. But this whole Bailey thing, it's bad. And it's weird that Nia wasn't injected into the picture right off the bat. But I... Either they've lost faith in Nia Jax or they're going to put her in and make this a fatal four-way later on in the next couple weeks. But you don't have a lot of time to do it. But all in all, this was stupid because not only does the title not mean anything, because whoever wins, it's like, who cares because they've all had the title. Unless you're putting the title on Nia Jax, which nobody wants to see. But there's no WrestleMania moment to come out of this. There's no streak. Like a Charlotte was the champ. At least there was a streak heading into WrestleMania where you'd be intrigued to see if somebody could break it. It's nothing. So nah, this yeah. was another, it was another then, waste. Yeah, this was a waste. Now, now there's two storylines that meant something that you could have waited by getting rid of this stupid-ass pay-per-view. It's two things that went down the drain. Let's go to the third one. Oh, this next one. This next one sucks because I've become a fan of the loser of this match, and it's Braun Strowman. They built Braun Strowman up so well. Ever since the draft and breaking him away from the Wyatts and he got the new haircut and squash matches and everything, he's been built perfectly. And he can go for a dude his size. He puts on good matches. The match with Roman Reigns was a decent match. It was. Um, And shout out to Roman, who's become, even what in two years, ten times, I'd say at least ten times better of a wrestler in the past two years. Two years ago, he, he couldn't wrestle more than six-minute matches. He had no moveset. He had no nothing. Now he carries good matches. It, it was good. It's good fast pace um, for two big guys who are athletic. But Braun losing clean, no siding of The Undertaker, no explanation. It was a showcase for Roman Reigns, and we've done that. This is three years in a row. Like, you're not, you're not going to sell us on this. We've seen three years in a row, and we haven't changed our minds as fans. Let it go. 
it, it makes oh. no sense to me. Okay. So I'm going to go back like almost, I'm going to go back four years. Four years ago, Roman Reigns was in the Royal Rumble. It's the year that Batista won. And was that four years ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Daniel Bryan here, right? Yeah, when Daniel Bryan won the title. Correct. That year it was the hottest Roman Reigns had ever been. And he was in the Royal Rumble and surprised everybody to get to the final two and lost to Batista. At that point, the WWE made a conscious effort to put Roman Reigns into every fucking picture that makes that matters the most. So we had WrestleMania. We like we have two WrestleMania matches: the Brock Lesnar one, which the mutiny from the fans probably caused the switch to have Seth Rollins win the title. We had last year when Roman had his moment, but nobody gave a shit. So now we're in this program where Roman Reigns versus the Undertaker's the direction we saw the direction come at the Royal Rumble. How are we going to get there? Here's where this middle pay-per-view fucks everything up again. Why does Roman Reigns have to wrestle Braun Strowman to get to The Undertaker? It doesn't need to happen. And it was the biggest problem I had with this match from the beginning. Braun Strowman has, is easily going to be the most improved wrestler of the year. This is like easily because before he couldn't do anything. And now he's become this brute force. Uh, he's a decent promo and he's fun to watch. You had something like, you all you just about had something if you would have went Braun Strowman versus The Undertaker, but you didn't. What you did is you decided to put Braun Strowman in his unbeaten streak in the ring with Roman Reigns in an inconsequential pay-per-view, and you have to put Roman Reigns over to make him look strong heading into a match with The Undertaker. That's what I thought, and that's horrible. There's so many things wrong with that. Yeah, like, if he didn't look strong already, he wasn't going to do it. And if you want to make him look strong, you don't have to do it against Braun Strowman. You but don't. you have a pay-per-view, and they have to put him in a match. And it, and it was either Braun Strowman or Samoa Joe. Those are the only two directions that they were going to go with this. And they went with Braun Strowman. And so now Braun Strowman, who doesn't even have a WrestleMania program, which obviously is now going to be the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, which is even worse than any, any other possible match that he could have been in, because he could have had a decent match with somebody. They could have found a way to put Braun Strowman in there with Samoa Joe at WrestleMania. They could have, there's other things they could have found to do, but this middle pay-per-view ruins everything. And remember what I've always said about Monster Heels. Once they lose it, like King Hippo, everybody knows how to beat them. What makes, it, what makes this worse is that the, the really decent match that Braun Strowman and Big Show had is completely thrown out the window. And it makes Big Show and his weight loss look even weaker. Because how do you put Big Show into a decent program knowing he just lost to Braun Strowman, who just lost to Roman Reigns? You're obviously going to put these two into the Memorial Battle Royal together and have Braun Strowman try to throw them out. And that's your moment. But nobody's going to give a shit because Braun Strowman has just lost all his momentum. You carry that over into the Monday Night Raw where Undertaker finally makes his appearance, which would have made more sense if he didn't cost Roman Reigns the match at Fastlane. But no, you do it Monday night and you make Braun Strowman look like a pussy, which makes it walking away. Worse. Yeah, for no reason. Like, like he needs what? the Undertaker to do his bidding because he can't beat Roman Reigns. Like, why are you doing this? Because more often than not, this Roman Reigns-Undertaker match is not going to be good. It might have been better if it would have been Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, and The Undertaker because you can protect The Undertaker in that kind of a match by having Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman do a lot of the heavy lifting. But now you're just going to leave Roman Reigns and Undertaker completely exposed in a marquee match that's guaranteed to go on near the end of the card. Who's... Mm. Is this where we finally get Roman Reigns full on heel turn? This is the because only thing that can come out of this feud. It's the only thing that can come out of this feud. Because Taker's heel. not a heel, and they have to have roles 
They have to do something. The crowd's going to be so hot for Taker. They always are at WrestleMania. And they're going to boo Roman Reigns to high heaven. They have to know that. They, they know. But it's just a matter of do they turn Roman Reigns heel. And it's the only good that can come out of this program. And I just don't think they will. Shawn Michaels wasn't a heel against The Undertaker. Triple H wasn't even a heel against The Undertaker. Bray Wyatt was, but that didn't really matter. Um, CM First Punk, off, don't downgrade that feud. That was an amazing feud by Bray Wyatt. It was amazing, but you know, it could have been, been better if Bray Wyatt actually won that match because it would have meant something. But it didn't. Neither here nor there. The whole point is, is that you, you wasted Braun Strowman's run to do something that you were going to do anyway. That's my problem with it. And that's why, again, I say the middle pay-per-view is completely pointless. And that's on both sides. It's not just Raw because some people say, what about SmackDown? You didn't need to put the title on Bray Wyatt at, on the SmackDown pay-per-view. You didn't even need to have that pay-per-view happen. Eight yeah. weeks is sufficient to build up WrestleMania. You can find ways to do it. The pay-per-view, all it does is do a change of direction in stories because they never matter. Like Dean Ambrose versus Triple H yet last year. Come on. Nobody thought Triple H was going to lose that match. No, but that was my hell of a match. It was, but it, it, it was It didn't make pointless. any sense for, yeah, it made no sense for Mania. Um, and all it, all it did was ruin Dean Ambrose because he had the shitty match that nobody remembers at WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. So it's like, again... You, you, you took things that we cared about, and you took a shit on them. Thank you, WWE. I really appreciate they it. They are great at doing that. The only other thing we have to talk about, uh, we kind of dabbled in the SmackDown side of things already, but Styles versus Shane McMahon is shaping up for Mania. This is complete and utter bullshit. This is another match. <laughs> like, like, Yo, if Nakamura I... doesn't come and take Shane's spot, then they've blown it. Like, yeah, if he's... they keep it under wraps, completely under wraps, and some reason Shane walks out... And then Shane's like, I will not be fighting you today, AJ Styles. I'm not fighting, but I know someone that will. And you just, dun, dun, and the Nakamura, like, violin shit hits. Everyone's losing it. WrestleMania's the greatest thing ever. It doesn't matter that Goldberg is coming out after that. Everyone will pop and lose their damn mind. And it won't they're not smart enough to do it. Well, not even that they're not smart enough to do it. Like, so putting AJ Styles in a match with Shane McMahon is a prestige position for AJ Styles. It means that they believe in you to put him in a match with a McMahon. Because that's what the McMahons do. When you're wrestling a Triple H or when you're wrestling a Shane, if you're wrestling a Stephanie, you have to be a certain caliber wrestler. So that's why this has happened. But it doesn't need to happen. AJ Styles is getting close to 40 years old. And his time is running short on when he can have his classic WrestleMania moment. Against Shane McMahon is not it. But this is what happens when you take a long, rainy champion, you have him drop it to Cena. Now, when you really think about it, Cena winning at the Royal Rumble is absolutely pointless now. It, they could have, truthfully, they could have saved that match for WrestleMania. Oh, would have tore the house down. Like, AJ Styles and Cena could have done that at WrestleMania. But instead, you had the Royal Rumble switch, you had the Elimination Chamber switch, and now AJ Styles, who did everything he was supposed to do to get into the main event. Like, what other year? Like, this is a real question. Any other year that this has happened, it's a triple threat match in WrestleMania. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They, they don't say, well, you wrestle him to figure it out. They just go, all right, fuck it, put them both in there. Correct. But, but now you go, because AJ Styles has really no ties to the Wyatt or Orton feud, now you just got to kind of boot him to the curb and, and find a way to make this Shane McMahon's fault. What Not the Daniel hell? Bryan's fault. Yeah, what the hell Shane's happened fault. to Luke Harper? Oh, they just they just lost faith in that completely. Yeah, Luke dropped it, and then now we have to see a one-on-one match between Bray and Randy? It's this, dude, it's, this is bad. That, that's this is barely bad a television story. match. Because the match like, itself isn't going to be good. 
like Orton versus Styles was felt like it was on cruise control. The AJ Styles fake out on Randy Orton for the arcade was great, by the way. Oh, but, that was amazing. <laughs> but that just tells you how good AJ Styles is. And AJ Styles and Randy Orton, I believe, could tear the house down if given the time and given the moment. But this wasn't it. So they just kind of had a match. Um, but yeah, I, this is the worst. Ale- like you have all the talent. Like you really have the best roster you've ever had in wrestling since the 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 early 2000s when you folded WCW and ECW and you had The Rock and Austin and Angle. Like those were that was an amazing roster. This is rivals that. But Samoa Joe doesn't have a program. Braun Strowman doesn't have a program. Seth Rollins, who you may which you may end up in a tag team match. And, and hear me out on this. There may be a Triple H Samoa Joe tag team match against Seth Rollins and Finn Balor at WrestleMania. If Seth Rollins' knee isn't completely better, you're going to have to protect him. Oh, that's, so that's uh, yeah. I mean, I could see it. Yeah, but it, it hurts the nostalgia of what Triple H is. But yeah, I understand. No, it's understandable why that would happen. But Joe doesn't have a program. You're using Reigns against Undertaker. You're putting Cena against The Miz and with their girlfriends. You're putting AJ Styles against Shane McMahon. Uh, your tag team belts don't matter. The New Day are the hosts and have nothing to do. The American Alpha is going to feud with the Usos, and they weren't even on SmackDown this weekend. <laughs> your women's title doesn't matter because it changes every goddamn three weeks. The streak is, is non-existent. Alexa Bliss is the champion, and we're praying that Naomi comes back to get this title because nobody cares about the four girls that are cu- currently in this program. What is left to watch that is intriguing aside from Owens and Jericho? What is had a like and, and, and here's the here's the even And that's for a belt that doesn't matter. Right. But here's the even worse part of all this. They've had they've had this program pretty much set. This WrestleMania was pretty much set for months. Like the dirt sheets had it right, like in November. How do you still ruin your path to get there? Because the only thing that has true heat on it, like Goldberg Lesnar has heat on it because of who they are, but they don't need the belt. But it's really Owens and Jericho. Is it really? And, and that show, that match isn't even going to be your last match. That match is going to be in the middle of your damn show. It's and pathetic. yeah, it's a damn shame. It's I, messed up for me. You just made me mad. I don't, I don't even want to talk about wrestling anymore. <laughs> got to ruin it for you, man. Got to ruin it for you. So we got to take a break. We'll let you calm down a bit. When we come back, we're going to talk boxing real quick and we're going to get out of here because we got work. All right, everybody. You guys stay tuned throughout the break. We'll more be right combat back. sports. We got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the great north. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size, and you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real. All 
right, we are back. Shout out to the sponsors one last time. We got to talk boxing. We actually had a decent boxing match. Free television, Thurman versus Garcia, PBC. For all their mess-ups and stuff, they're starting to get it right with the pairings. I feel like they should have did this when they had all the momentum in the world when they first launched. Um, and instead, they had cupcake fights to just showcase these guys. But now they're they're pairing the best against the best. And we're seeing what boxing has. And I liked, I think it was your tweet the other day where you're like, don't talk to me about boxing being dead in 2017. Boxing is better than the UFC so far. Mm-hmm. 2,000 years, all about boxing. 2017, all about boxing. UFC has had poor pay-per-views, poor showings, and boxing has had nothing but great fights. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about it. Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia. I pick Keith Thurman. You pick Keith Thurman. The fight for seven and a half rounds went exactly how I said it was going to go. Danny Garcia can't box. He has a problem with movement. He has a problem with somebody who, who uses distance and footwork. Went exactly as I thought it was. But I'm, I'm not happy with this performance because Keith Thurman almost pulled the Oscar De La Hoya against Tito Trinidad and gave this fight away. Oh, it was close. Because he took, I mean, I, I want to say it was the eighth round, ninth round, and his trainer was just like, you're leaving here with the title or you're leaving here with the belt. And you don't tell a fighter that. He took off rounds 9 through 12 and just ran. Like, you don't tell your fighter that. Like, you tell him you got to keep fighting. You got to tell him it's a close fight. You got to tell him whatever the hell you got to tell him. But Keith was out of there, man. Mentally, he had checked out. So, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Keith winning this. I mean, he should have won the fight. Look, I had him up wide. I had him up big. I, so didn't think did Danny I. Didn't, I didn't think Danny did much of anything. But around the seventh round, I started saying to myself, the judge is not going to see this the same way. Why are you not engaging? He, Danny clearly can't hit you with that big left hook. You've been lighting him up when you want to. What, why is your trainer telling you to, to, that you have this one? You're going to give the fight away. It was a split decision. <laughs> in a fight, Which like, is in comical because it was not close to start the fight. Every time they no. engaged, he got the better of Danny. And, like, and, and people told me I was crazy for this. And I, and I, but I, called, I said this years ago about Danny Garcia. He has problems with movement. He's going to lose to Keith Thurman because Keith Thurman is more active. All you have to do against Danny Garcia is be active and move. And it does, it's a really simple formula that's really hard for some fighters to execute for extended periods of time. But Keith Thurman can do that. He hit him and he left. And he moved. And he stayed away from the left hand because it's really Danny's only weapon. Danny's always been extremely overrated to me. He has never showed up when he needed to. And he didn't. But Keith Thurman took his foot off the gas and allowed Danny to claw his way back into the fight. By not doing anything. It's not by virtue of what Danny did. It's by virtue of what Keith didn't do. And when you do that and you win a split decision, you got to leave going, I should have won like one. I should have I should have dominated this fight. Like I should have walked away with like 118, 110. You know what I'm saying? Like 116, uh, 112. You like, should have made a statement. That's it. Th- a split decision isn't a statement. You had a chance to make a statement and he couldn't do it. So it's frustrating. So you know, at Ring Magazine, you know, we all talked about it. Keith Thurman is the number one welterweight. He's not cracking pound for pound list because he let Danny Garcia back in this fight. And, and it's sad because Keith Thurman, I thought, had the goods. But now I'm, I'm a little bit curious. And, and the guy who's going to have the goods and is probably going to take everybody's lunch is getting ready to fight in a few weeks, and that's Errol Spence. He's got to be chomping at the bit when he sees this fight and he goes, that's my competition for number one? A guy who's going to take the, the last half of the fight off? Yeah, he's got a big fight against Kell Brook, 
But it looks like Errol Spence is still the best, He, which hasn't happened yet. He's just passing the eye test. But he looks like the best welterweight out there. But that's why I said Errol Spence has the championship pedigree that Keith Thurman doesn't. Because at the end of that fight, Errol Spence has a killer instinct. He doesn't slow down. There is no, no. off switch. And yeah, that's he why has, he'll be he the been... best welterweight. Uh, you know, Him and Terrence Crawford, I'd say right now, they're the only two fighters I can really point out where they say they have no off switch. Round one, seven, ten, it doesn't matter. It's all go. It doesn't matter if they're up every round. doesn't matter. Well, we're presuming that. You know, my only issue with Errol Spence is we haven't seen him in a tough situation yet. His opponents haven't been of the top caliber. I mean, Chris Algieri, uh, Van Heerden, like, he hasn't fought top guys. He just looks really good fighting them. Um, and he passes the eye test. So Kell Brook will be his first real test because Kell Brook's not going to get knocked out easily. He's going to be there to fight. And he's going to be there in the U.K., which makes it even more difficult because you know Kell's going to get away with some holding in his fight. Oh, that's um, all he does. <laughs> right. So this is this is Errol Spence's opportunity. But, yes, he has to put it together for 12 rounds. Keith, is, Keith although he's the champion, and although he unified two of the titles, his stock took a hit a little bit for me because I never thought Danny Garcia was that good. And I said it for years. I never thought he was that good. So I'm not impressed when you win a split decision. I'm impressed when you're one time knocking people out. But now you got to change the name like three or four times because it's not one time <laughs> you hit them and they go down. Now it's, it's going to take a few times. And um, Danny took some punches, man. Danny has a chin. I'll give him that. He does have a chin. He does have a chin. He has, a, he has great timing. Danny Garcia has always had great timing, but he's not active enough. So where does he go from here? I guess he's going to fight. Like the, I personally want to see him fight Adrian Broner. That's the fight I want to see. I want to see everyone but, fight Adrian Broner. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's probably going to be the winner of Sean Porter, Andre Berto, probably, probably. Um, and that's a tough fight. Porter's a tough fight for him too. Yeah, Paul Porter, Porter will beat Danny Garcia. I'm just, it's just he's too active. He's too active. He's too strong. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, ultimately, Keith Thurman. It was a good fight. I enjoyed it. I just, as, the, as those last few rounds, I was, I just kept saying, I was like, this, somebody's going to give this fight to Danny. And I'm going to be disgusted because. Keith, the only thing Keith could say is, like, I gave this shit away. He didn't beat me. I gave it away. And he nearly gave it away. Yeah, that's a damn shame, man. Um, it was entertaining for the beginning, though. I'll give it that. It was much better than UFC 209. So, anything. Yeah. It, no, no, no. It is, I'm it sorry. Was, Any, anything was not. Because Fastlane was not better than UFC 209. Okay, if you had to rank it, best to worst of the weekend, combat sports. Oh, Thurman Garcia, then UFC 209, because even before that, granted, Rashad Evans looked like shit. Um, Alistair Overheim knock, knocking out Mark Hunt was still fun to watch. Like, Fastlane, I, dude, it was the worst pay-per-view I've seen in terms of, like, matches. When you have Jinder Mahal in a match, come on. Yeah, in an tough. impromptu match, come on, guys. Um, um, I'll yeah, still say bad. 209 is the worst. So I'll go Garcia, Thurman, Fastlane, 209. Yeah, I mean, Gruyere Veneta against David Tamer, that was more, that was pretty entertaining. Like, there was some good fights on two nights. The main event was trash, and the main <sighs> event was trash on both shows. Yeah, the main event was trash on both. I don't know. It left a, left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, I went to sleep disgusted, and it was 2 a.m. for me. Yeah, I'm still disgusted. As you guys I was like, yo, I can't, I can't believe this. Um, the last thing to talk about before we get out of here is Pacquiao versus Amir Khan. Fight is scrapped. Um... Where do both fighters go? To, to me, I think Pacquiao has to fight uh, the Jeff. What was it? Jeff Fox? Or something? The Australian? <laughs> Jeff Horn. Make a lot Jeff of money. Jeff Horn. There you country. go. <laughs> Jeff Horn, the Australian. That's his only other option. Um, yeah. And Amir Khan does what? He hopes to get Manny Pacquiao in another fight some other time. 
he's still chasing it, but all that money that was promised to Pacquiao, that wasn't ever going to come to fruition. So between Amir Khan's religious holidays, oh, he's—I mean, he's screwed. And like, Pacquiao's Ramadan schedule, and, yeah. fight doesn't—they can only fight next November. Yeah, and that's that's the only possible date. So maybe that fight happens, in, which means Amir needs to do something in the interim, because um, Manny's not even that big of a name anymore to fight. So it looks like Manny Pacquiao versus Jeff Horn, which everybody talked about. It's like Bob Arum said it the whole time. He was like, I'll let him do what he wants to do, but that shit ain't happening. And he was right. The old white guy strikes again. Hey, can't, can't beat experience, and that's what he has. Um, that's it for this week's show. We have boxing again this weekend, so we have a you know good fight. We'll recap you guys on ROH. And our experience there. Um, we're gearing up for WrestleMania, so it's we're in the home stretch now. That it's crazy. Um, UFC. We have a UFC card that we forgot to preview, which is crazy. Um, from Brazil, coming at you this weekend: Vitor Belfort versus Kelvin Gastelum. That's why we're not previewing it. Vitor <laughs> getting beat again. Yeah, so Vitor should get destroyed. You never know what they allow in Brazil, though. Vitor is a different fighter in Brazil. Yeah, we'll um, see. Usada doesn't travel that well. So we'll see how it rocks. Um, next week, we'll, we'll recap all of that and, and keep it going. Thank you guys for joining us. You can find the podcast at The Corner LSN on all social media platforms. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale on everything. Until next week, we're busy. We got to work. We're out. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.